You are listening to Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks, the podcast. This is Series 6, Episode 2 for Tuesday. JJ Sefton here along with my good friend, co-blogger, and co-host, CBD. CBD, how are you today, sir? Well, I'm doing fine, although my uh, internet connection is a little wonky, and I'm about to uh, just, I mean, I don't know what the hell to do. The, uh, the customer service um, at Optimum, which is the, the large cable company around here, is so abysmal. Um, and I've had, I've had their techs out here multiple times. They've replaced everything, and they still can't seem to, to build a, uh, a robust system for me. Um, I'll switch over to Verizon and they'll suck just as bad. And then I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. Cause how the hell else am I going to watch lesbian porn? Anyway. Well, no, yes. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the reception is on oatmeal cans and string for, especially for lesbian porn, but, uh, be that as it may, uh, a number of things happening, which will, uh, we will tackle on the midweek edition of the podcast. First up is, uh, as we know, in the wake of this, um, disastrous hearing, of these three female Ivy League uh, school presidents uh, who basically hid behind, funny enough, hid behind the concept of free speech to basically say it was okay for uh, students and other groups on campus to promote the genocide of Jews, both in Israel and uh, presumably in America as well. Uh, One of them uh, from UPenn has gotten the boot, this Liz McGill or Massengill or whatever the hell this douche's name is. And now up to bat is, uh, and they're circling the wagons in Harvard around this woman named uh, Claudine Gay, who uh, beyond just her her horrendous, um, you know, supposedly hiding behind the First Amendment to support genocide. Uh, she's now Christopher Rufo over at the Manhattan Institute has discovered that she's a major plagiarist and plagiarized her her um, her her uh, thesis, her doctoral thesis. But of course, that doesn't stop the usual gang of idiots from circling the wagons and and, uh, and, and leaving her in place. I think yeah, that's that, that's going to be very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Harvard, you know, the they they the conceit at Harvard is that they are they are the ultimate intellectuals in the United States and. <clears throat> And obviously, plagiarism is is not particularly intellectual. So, how they're going to square this circle um, is going to be a very, very interesting thing in the next uh, several weeks. Um, but I want to get back to uh, um, Liz McGill, who was the the former president of the University of Pennsylvania. President, dean, what 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 was she? I forgot. Uh, I think president. I think it was president. Yeah, I think she was president. She's dumber than a fucking rock. I mean, the the the. The deer in the headlights look that she had when Stefanik was questioning her last week was unbelievable. I mean, she really could not speak eloquently in front of in, in front of that committee. And it's you know, the questions were not difficult. Now, she could uh, obfuscate all she wants uh, using, you, you know, using big words, but she couldn't even do that. She just re- repeated the same tired bromides that simply pissed everybody off. And I think that's one of the reasons why they bounced her is she's simply too fucking stupid to to be the face of the University of Pennsylvania. Well, you know there is that. It's just it's also the the uh, the tangled web of um, of pretzel logic that that once the left is exposed to it, 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 it literally they cannot they can't untangle themselves from it because we've talked about this in the past. Uh, I think in a couple of couple of podcasts ago, and of course Ace tackled this this over at Ace of Spades and 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 you and I and on that forum and elsewhere is this this notion of the absolutism of 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 the first amendment and i think what we we finally got to the nugget of this thing is that 
you can be an absolutist on the First Amendment. The problem is, is here is that all of these universities who are now hiding behind the First Amendment saying, well, you can't tell us what to do. It's the First Amendment. It's free speech. These are the very same people who, you know, sick the goons on, on conservative uh, conservative uh, lecturers such as William Jacobson or Ann Coulter or Ben Shapiro or you name it, and who literally disrupt classes, disrupt speeches and prevent the speech of anyone who who disagrees with leftist dogma. And it's funny, at, Uni- at University of Pennsylvania, uh, this is an interesting pickle for them because they have tried to get rid of a professor named Amy Wax, who basically just questioned the logic, I believe, about uh, I think it was transsexualism or, or women competing or men competing in women's sports. And just for the fact that she questioned it, uh, there is this outcry among the, the faculty and so on to get rid of her. And I think had they not done that, there not necessarily would have been this this outcry at the, at the universities to get rid of Liz McGill and whoever else. But of course, universities are no longer bastions of free speech. They are the centers of propaganda and brainwashing of everything leftist is good and everything uh, American conservative and traditional is bad. And so that's, well, you know, that's the they, they would argue that they are in fact bastions of free speech, but what they have <laughs> done is as, as Orwell has warned, they have taken control of the language. And what they have done is they have taken speech and they have converted right-wing speech or conservative speech or free or, or, or speech that, that, that presupposes freedom as violence. So obviously they are for free speech because they're not talking. They're not trying to ban free speech. They're trying to t- to ban violence, and it, it it's you know a, a child can see the flaws in that logic. Uh, clearly, these people are stupider than children because it simply makes no sense. But they stick to it, and it's it and it's listen. It they are being consistent. Um, the 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 redefinition of speech. Has taken them has has taken them to heights that they probably could never have imagined. They they could not dump professors simply for having bad ideas. You know, when I say bad ideas, those contrary to the to the liberal orthodoxy. But now they can because they've redef- redefined it. It's not speech; it's violence, and it's a wonderful thing. It's actually quite smart. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's well, it's 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 evil and it's and it's in its in its brilliance. And just to drill down a little bit to CBD to what you were saying, is that yes, they have. It's you know all ideas in the marketplace of ideas should be out there, and of course those things are that are you know quote unquote repulsive or in in a real world in a real sense, be it anti-Semitism or Nazism or genocide or whatever you want to call it. Those things should be confronted. And as I, I think I commented on, on, on one of the posts the other day, is that I remember quite frank, quite, quite, you know, when I was in college back in the late 70s, early 80s, that you had a lot of these groups on campus, the Muslims, the pro-Palestinians, and so on and so forth, who were protesting, albeit perhaps not as violently as they as they did in the past. But you had Jewish groups and other groups that were counter-protesting them because simply they had the permission to do so. But the thing is now, as you have so as you have stated, is that any argument, any position that is contra to leftist dogma, accepted leftist dogma, dogma is considered hate speech and or potentially or absolutely violent. As we say at the blog, uh, you know, our speech is violence. Their violence is speech. And they have they have totally turned this into such an Orwellian concept that you can't even open your mouth without being silenced because you have to automatically be silenced and prevented from speaking because what you have potentially to say 
which runs counter to what they believe in is quote unquote uh, a either a microaggression or an actual aggression aggression and you are you are not to be allowed to speak and it is truly like I said it's Orwellian and it's and, and it's brilliant but we have to we have to speak out there's just no alternative well, yeah, we absolutely do have to speak out and and the thing is that that uh, we 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 are behind the curve as free speech absolutists we have not taken advantage of the changing rules we have not used the the leftist rules against them um, now I am absolutely a free speech ab- absolutist. I think that you can, you should be able to say whatever the fuck you want. You want to, you want to, uh, you want, you want to criticize Israel? Fine. You want to uh, promote genocide in Israel? Fine. That's absolutely no problem with me. Um, as as Louis Brandeis said, you know, sunlight is the best disinfectant. But when we are not allowed to to speak freely. And the left is that's where that's where it changes. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and so, so, and so now we have this Claudine Gay. It's just amazing how they, how Harvard circles the wagons. I, I was going to say that I think if she goes, that will really be kind of a kind of an earthquake moment. I would hope it would be in in the in higher act higher education or academia, if you will. I, I don't think she's going to go because of her testimony. No. If she goes, it's it will be because of the plagiarism. Interesting, yeah, probably, but yeah, even still- uh, they 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 accept they accept her support for the genocide of the Jewish people. Harvard is is in four square. I mean, they they just love that shit. Um, Harvard has always been anti-Semitic, and there's there's no way to pretend otherwise. Uh, you know, they kept Jews out for for much of the early 20th century. Um, they they have never been any sort of bastion of 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 judaism or jewish thought the way for instance columbia has been uh which is odd because they are rapidly anti-semitic now too oh, of um, course mm-hmm. but uh listen look, look at look at the look at brandeis university they are they are about as woke and and postmodern as they come and that specific that was absolutely a jewish university so the it's just more evidence that that leftism has swamped whatever whatever traditional jewish thought there was in in its uh you know the 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 acolytes of of intellectualism in the the united states um they are they are leftists they are not jews right i mean it's what what i find what i find just incredible and this this goes beyond academia just into into general you know the general population and, and and society is that i attended brooklyn college and brooklyn college was always a bastion of 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 uh you know, and a safe haven for Jews, for Jewish thought, for pro-Israel uh, attitudes. Yes, we had our loony left and so on and so forth, but it was always a place where you, the last place you ever felt, uh, you know, in danger was was it on, on the Brooklyn College campus. And nowadays, Brooklyn College, I think, has been included in, in many of the lists of the top 10 most anti-Semitic colleges, you know, in America. And this is Brooklyn. This is, you know, New York City, which is about as the most Jewish places you can get on the planet outside of the state of Israel. And it always has been or had been. But of course, this now raises the issue of, you know, who is now teaching um, and uh, who is now, con- what now constitutes the, the population of, of formerly uh, Jewish bastions of, you know, American Jews and not the self-gassing variety. So it's, uh, it's really a, a frightening and horrible thing and, and, and really sad to see. I mean, it's, you know, what, what, the, what, what happens next is, uh, is up for grabs, but we, as, as we say, we have to fight back and there's just no, there's no, there's no two ways about it. 
Absolutely. And and by the way, uh, folks, in, in case you're unsure of, of at least what I mean by fighting back, um, that means Jews should buy guns, buy ammunition, and learn how to use them. And if you can, get a carry permit and carry wherever you go. Well, that's, that's what the, I do, and yeah. that's what you should do. Actually, well, every American should, but that's but Jews and and the other uh, uh, let's see the other targets of the left should more than anyone. Well, yeah, I mean, go, going beyond academia and going beyond this issue is now we have uh, what the, the danger of what these people are promoting and claiming as free speech and promoting and saying uh, you know the genocide of Jews anywhere is acceptable. Uh, we've had attacks such as uh, this. This, this poor man, uh, Mr. Kessler in in, uh, in California, who was killed by, by of all things, a, 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 a an Islamic uh, professor. What a shock! Uh, had, what a, a surprise! Who, who could see that coming? No, we had shots fired at an Albany, New York. Yeah. This is really this is really amazing. Uh, Albany, New York, uh, shots fired at a synagogue, and a, and a Muslim man shouting, uh, you know, death to Israel, free Palestine. And the yeah, FBI I wonder was, what his motivation was, though. Yeah, Boy, FBI we'll, we probably will never know. We'll never know. And then there was actually a fundraiser in California out in Beverly Hills, I believe. And the mobs ran wild, supposedly because you know they're angry at Biden because he's not doing enough to destroy the state of Israel, at least openly, as opposed to behind the scenes. So they've uh, you know, they were running wild. They were uh, scrolling graffiti, you know, Nazi graffiti on the synagogues. And of course, this is this is the result when you have no counter to these um, horrible, horrible uh, statements promoting genocide against Jews in Israel, outside of Israel, and so on and so forth. At least you know, nobody is cracking down on this, and it's it's no it's a small it's it's no wonder that this is happening. And it's both a combination of Islamic immigrants here, as well as unfortunately the students of these universities who are just mind-numbingly you know mind-numbed robots that that uh, believe that anything Israeli and Jewish is evil, and anything Islamic and anti-American is good. So there you have it. There we have it. We are moving on to the topic of Israel, and it's um, and it's uh, weathering the storm of of world media and uh, government opinion that uh, they should they should acquiesce to whatever Hamas says and and essentially give in and allow a savage seventh uh, century um, bunch of maniacs on their borders. Uh, they seem to be saying, no, thanks, we're just going to kill them all. And uh, it seems to be working. Um, the, uh, the, the media frenzy has calmed just a little bit. I think that Israel is in a uh, in sort of a maintenance phase. They, they are very carefully, you know, they're plodding along, they're, they're, they're following their, their military doctrine, they're, they're cutting off everything that Hamas has in Gaza, and I think that they are going to succeed. Agreed. Um, we have a, a wonderful co-blogger at Ace of Spades named Diogenes, or at least an open blogger, and he is a military expert. And we've been sort of fretting about the, the situation that why isn't Israel going for the jugular? Or what, what are they? Why aren't they doing anything? And he really has has shed a lot of, of interesting light on the situation from a tactical standpoint. And uh, and to his uh, to his credit, he's he's accurately shown us that uh, at least in the north of Gaza, Israel has basically conquered the place. Uh, they've driven everybody out. They are now capturing hundreds of these uh, these 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 animals, and it's really nice to see that they're all stripped down to underwear, and you can see their their fat man boobs. These animals, and of course, everyone's going crazy. Oh, you can't do this. It's uh, dehumanizing. But they're only doing it so they can see if they're 
if these uh, fools are carrying any any arms or whatever. But they're basically giving up, you know, because they see that there's no hope. The Israelis are indeed going for the jugular. Hamas, of course, has threatened to kill all the hostages, which, I mean, to my point of view, I think they probably... If they're not dead already, they're they're probably praying for death, sad to say. But Israel is now moving south and they have now, um, I believe, surrounded the headquarters of one of these uh, one of the leaders of this of this. Yeah, they, they're, they've surrounded the, the major uh, southern city. Uh, it's called Kanyunis. And right. um, they're they're just, you know, they're they're contracting the, the the space in which Hamas has freedom to operate. And uh, and they're doing it very methodically. Um, they're they're protecting their soldiers' lives, which I think is extraordinarily important because Israel has lost far too many men. Um, but what's interesting is if you look at the the casualty lists, and um, it's a it's a credit to the to the military structure that Israel has created over the last uh, eighty years, and that is that the their officers fight. Their officers are not up in helicopters at five thousand feet looking down on the battlefield. They are, you know, they, they've. They are with their men, and I think that uh, that's a testament to the resolve of Israel, and I think it's a testament to to what they have created in the IDF, which is a what seems to be a, a, a very, very professional military. Oh yeah, they have a very strong esprit de corps, and it's you know they, their their command and, and control structure is not you know not, as you say CBD not you know miles away from the battlefield, but up close and personal, and they are there leading the fight. And showing them which way to go and how to do it, and that's that is a credit to them. So, let us assume that Israel does indeed defeat Hamas to whatever you know definition of the word defeat you want to you want to say. And I think they will, and they are weathering the, the storm of criticism, and and they know they have to do this. And it just there's no more there's no more faffing around about it. it Hamas has to be destroyed. So now the question is, what does the post-war situation? Um, Politically, strategically, and otherwise, look in Gaza and in and in Israel. Does Israel, you know, just banish all of these people? Do they let them come back? Do they let them, you know, do business as usual as before, or do they literally take over the government of Gaza and dictate what the, what society is going to look like in that part of the part of the, uh, the Middle East uh, going forward? So I don't. That's, that's, I that's I don't. Well, Israel has has already announced that they do not want to be in Gaza. So what they're going to do is consolidate. Uh, they're going to destroy Hamas. I mean, ideally, when I speak, they are going to. But I, the ideal is that they will destroy Hamas and then force the the demilitarization of Hamas, of, uh, of Gaza. Now, how they can do that, I do not know. I wrote about this on Ace of Spades on Sunday, um, making fun of uh, General Petraeus, who seems oh. to think that nation building is just sort of a cool thing is because it works so well in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, and I think Israel has to be very, very careful not to get uh, involved in that sort of a thing. Um, I think that they have to mandate 100% demilitarization and 100% dehamasification. I don't know how one would create that word. Um, and no, then from true. there, they, they, they have to cede control to someone else because they cannot go back into Gaza. For, for the long term, yeah, he has you know, and I and I wrote a comment to your to your wonderful piece about about that. And, you know, Petraeus is such a freaking, they're just so clueless. It's unbelievable. It's pretty amazing, and, isn't it? And 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 to, to my point is that he he does not understand the the world situation and world history going back sixteen hundred years. 
you, we can talk about Hamas as a governing body and the Gazan citizens as a ruled body and so on and so forth. The problem is whether Gazans uh, appreciate, like, or dislike Hamas, the one thing that both of those things share in common is Islam. And the Islamic tenet is to either subjugate or kill every Jew, not just in Israel, but all over the world and take over the territory lock, stock and barrel. So the problem is you get rid of Hamas, but how do you denazify uh, Islam and the Quran? Now, as I have stated, does, does Israel literally forbid the teaching of, of Islam in, in Gaza? Do they do they do they take over the educational system? something it's it's got to be done otherwise regardless of what happens you're still going to have that 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 enmity and hatred that has been going on for 1600 years and is not going to reform itself unlike you know other religions of the world have done over, over the course of centuries well so sadly you're 100 really, correct yeah. um islam is not going to change i think that the uh, the conceit in the west is that it, it can be modified it can be it can be moderated um, I know that um, Daniel Pipes is a, is a proponent of 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 this. He thinks that uh, militant Islam can be defanged. Uh, I simply do not believe that. Um, in fact, uh, the comment the commenters at Ace of Spades took me to task about my term militant Islam. They said, "No, it's Islam. It's not militant. It's what it is." Exactly. I was just going to say that there is no right. If you if you it's the central. These are the, these are not just sort of obscure texts. Or you know somebody's misinterpretation of the word of the Quran, as Robert Spencer has said, and he's been on our show a couple of times. This is what their central tenet is, and they are not going to get rid of it because the Quran and the Hadith are supposedly the actual words of God, and you cannot change the words of God, and nobody is going to do that. The question is, do it's it's the difference between people acting on these on what the Quran says or merely just cheering it on. So this is. This is a major predicament, but something you can't, you just, you have to do something to, to, to mitigate this, at least in part. But I don't know, again, like, as you say, CBD, I don't know how you, you do it unless as you know, it was, it's a holy war. You declare war on Islam, you conquer it, you burn every Quran in the world and you force the teaching of, of peace, love and understanding and you vilify the words of Muhammad. But that's just, that's, that's, yeah, that's but, obviously yeah. a non-starter. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to uh, some very interesting things going on uh, domestically. Um, yeah. So the Supreme Court of the United States seems to be getting a case um, pushed by the special prosecutor whose name I've forgotten. Uh, it's, it's Jack Smith, I believe. Jack Smith, yes. Um, and total. there is a possibility that, that uh, SCOTUS will rule that Donald Trump is immune from many of the char- many of the um, the legal difficulties uh, that he has been enmeshed in since since he left office in 2021, um, and that would be very very interesting. My personal opinion is that they will not rule that way, but Sefton I think uh, might have a different opinion. I, I mean, look, the, the Supreme Court, mostly because of uh, John Roberts, but unfortunately be, because of, ironically, some of Trump's picks have been very mercurial, uh, you know, over, over, over several rulings that should have been slam dunk conservative pro-constitutional rulings, which I'm not going to get into that, that whole thing. But the, the nub of this thing is that um, supposedly the trial that Donald Trump's on trial for many things, but one of them that, that the prosecutor is, is this Jack Smith hack 
is bringing is is claiming that he fomented the ins- an insurrection on January sixth, and because of this, he's not only disqualified from running for president, but potentially he could be put into jail for for many years or decades or, or whatever. And it's total bullshit because Donald Trump was number one nowhere near the Capitol building, nowhere in any recorded speech that he said to the crowd that he was addressing did he say go to the Capitol and invade it and overthrow the the election and, and overthrow the government. He never did any of these things. In fact, he urged people to peacefully go home. And of course, we know what happened on January 6th and how the the Capitol cops and the DOJ and the FBI and all the glowies were really the ones that were responsible for whatever, quote unquote, violence was going on. But be that as it may, this is what this trial is all about. And normally, I think it was going to extend beyond, uh, I believe, beyond the election. But this Jack Smith wants to push it forward so we could basically sabotage the Trump campaign and, and really just sabotage the elections and the will of probably a lot of people who want to vote, if not for Joe Biden and against him, but then then for Donald Trump. So now you he's rushing this to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court will now decide whether Donald Trump on January 6th and before January 6th had presidential immunity from prosecution. And as I say, there, there's no there is no evidence that he that he fomented any kind of an insurrection. And logic would dictate that all of this would should should be, you know, should just be thrown out of court. And here's the thing. If he did indeed have presidential immunity, then all these other charges from Fannie Willis to to you name it, with the exception of the, the Trump uh, organization crap with Letitia James in New York or something different. Yeah, but that's a, that's a state charge. That's, that's, a, that's a state. That's a state. Yeah. So all of these charges would be thrown out and essentially the, the attempt to derail him and to paint him as an insurrectionist will, will go right out the window and he will be able to run for president and theoretically win in a, if if he faces off against joe biden in a fairly big uh, in a fairly big victory and of course if that happens now all of a sudden you're going to have the screams that the supreme court is completely illegitimate and that's a whole other case. well the thing is that, that the supreme court has acted in an illegitimate manner um several times in the last uh, dozen years or so but that's that's for a different podcast the the, <laughs> the interesting thing about this is that um the uh, i think nixon um, was the big one um he they went to the supreme court about the tapes that he made and he yeah. claimed presidential privilege and the supreme court said no i yeah that's what they so they denied his claim of presidential privilege um and that of course paved the way for uh, his resignation um the but the issue of course is that these charges are are criminalizing political behavior and i think it's going to be very very dangerous because i think that the supreme court will find that he does not have immunity but they will not rule on whether the charges themselves have validity it's a very very narrow question i think that the that smith is intelligent he's he's acting correctly from his perspective and and asking them to answer a very very narrow question it is because then now it keeps because yeah if they don't throw it out then it just keeps the thing in the headlines and it hamstrings exactly. for the for the exactly. next year and that's exactly what they want to do and it's it's absolutely just, just so effing disgusting but yeah. you know but look the, but the real the real issue is that they are they are criminalizing political behavior uh, Donald Trump had every right, of course, because he's an American citizen, to question the validity of the election. Uh, he spoke in public because that is his bully pulpit. 
And to criminalize that is an obscenity. It is, it is contrary to everything that the United States was founded upon, which is individual freedom. One of the many things that we were founded upon is individual freedom. And for, for, for the federal government to go after Donald Trump for, the, for these specious charges is disgusting beyond belief. And this really is a constitutional crisis. And I, it's going to be very interesting. And unfortunately, I think it's going to be very sad when we find out that our Constitution is is sort of a, uh, a, a sad little holdover from back when we were free. It is. And I mean, again, as I've stated, the left always uses whatever is left of the Constitution as both a shield to protect themselves and also a cudgel with which to beat us up because they know that we'll never we'll never get to a point, at least in theory, they, they are gambling that we will never get to a point in this society when things are so out of whack because of what they did. And people are so desperate that people are just going to say to hell with it. And then you're going to see, you know, the likes of what happened in Romania with the Ceausescu's, with the, with the, with Mussolini and his girlfriend at the end of World War II and so on and so forth with every petty tyrant and dictator. Uh, that's what they're gambling on. They're gambling on the really the the, the peace loving nature which, which which is funny because they know we are peace loving people and yet they they always paint us as nazis and insurrectionists and criminals and white supremacists and so on and so forth but this is just par for the course i mean we i mean i go by the 2020 election was at a very at, at a minimum should have been called into question and it probably i'm sure it was stolen uh plus we have the the sur- we have the surveillance state going on that is that is trying to censor speech we have the disinformation boards and the you know the, all of the all of the, these Orwellian ministries trying to to suppress, as we stated, really the microcosm of which was at Harvard and the universities going on today. So this is yeah this is an abomination. And if you go back to the 2016 election, Hillary Clinton was shrieking at electors to to to, to not to not to you know to, to be faithless electors and not to you know past the electoral college and to dump Trump. And this goes back to 2004 with John Kerry. And it goes back to 2000, of course, with the, the hanging, the hanging chads, chads, with, the, yeah. with Bush and with Bush and yeah. uh, Gore. So every time they shriek and scream that the illegitimacy and so on and so forth, nothing ever happens to them. But Donald Trump has the gall to tell people that, look, I'm protesting this election and you should protest this election. And we should really you know, it's 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 illegitimate. He has he doesn't have the right to say that. And that's really, as you say, CBD, that's what it boils down to. Again, yeah. and this our sad speech thing is, is our speech is violence and their violence is speech. Absolutely. As I was going to say, the, the sad thing is that that our electoral process is so broken in so many ways. But the but the the technical difficulties that we are having with with simply counting votes is unbecoming of a first world nation. And I think it's indicative of the fact that we are descending from third world uh, from first world to second or third world status because we simply cannot count our votes correctly you know there there are so many different ways of doing it um you know our our, our country is enamored of 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 uh technological means to 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 fix problems uh, i'm not thrilled by the idea i think that paper ballots are fine and they're probably cheaper um but but setting up a robust vote counting system is a no-brainer and it is so obvious that it is partisan and that's why we don't have one there are countries in in the on on this planet that can count their votes and we we aren't one of them and that's a that's a sad sad thing to say about the united states of america it's horrible i mean then this degenerate it really did degenerate really with the whole covid nonsense with the mail-in ballots which are now 
as the, as a, as a great man once said, there is nothing more permanent than a temporary government program. Yeah. Mail-in ballots are now the the way of the way of the future. I think it's it's they're the they're the official way of uh, and and legal in 37 out of the 50 states, and that's just ridiculous. Yeah. And and even someone like Jimmy Carter, I mean, about as leftist as you can freaking get, who is known for being a, you know an election monitor in third world countries basically stated that man, he was even against mail-in ballots or saying he, he railed against them. But the, the solution is simple. It's one day, one person, one registered legal person, one vote, and it's monitored by both sides openly. And you have police there and you have whatever to make sure there's no shenanigans, no ballot dumping, none of this nonsense. And there is a cutoff point and that is it. No mail-in ballots, no absentee ballots with the exception of the military, I think. And that's it. If, and if you don't show an ID and if you're not registered, I'm sorry, you do not get to vote. This is the franchise. But of yes, course, but, you know, you the, the, the left yeah. says that, that the coloreds are too stupid to uh, to be able to, to get IDs. Isn't that offensive? Can you imagine if black America woke up and, and saw what the left thinks of them? Wow, you're too oh, stupid yeah. to get a goddamn driver's license or an ID. Really? That's what they but think the, of you. You should start voting Republican. The, exactly. The fact of the matter is. How many? They all. Most black people do have driver's license. Of course they do. I most mean, black people, you, know, you have to show it to get on an airplane. You have to show it to get into a building. It's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's a, I mean, it's just and it's and it's farcical. And the fact that we sit here and take it is well, you know, the, what are we going to do? You know, start a revolution, I suppose. But I better not say that because uh, yeah. Christopher Ray will. Uh, well, you are, you know, you and I are are the, the biggest danger to America. Anyway, listen, we are, we are running, we are running way, way long. Sorry about the uh, technical difficulties, folks. Thank you very, very much for listening, uh, and we will be back um, in in a few days. Who knows? Absolutely, we will be back for CBD. It's JJ Sefton on the Cut Jib News Letter Radio Network around the nation, across the world, and up your street. Thank you so much for hitting our tip jar. It really helps us keep the lights on. And we will see you Saturday with the weekend edition, hopefully with a special guest. And uh, we look forward to that. Thanks for listening, folks.